My guest today is Tom Furse, who's a musician and DJ who appeared on the music scene with his band The Horrors. And you started out with The Horrors very young, or at least you met them very young, because you were at school with Faris. And I was wondering if you could tell me a bit about meeting him and whether you bonded over music from a really young age. Yeah, um, so thanks for having me on, <laughs> firstly. No um, but yeah, I think I, I met Faris. So we were both at boarding school together. Um, and so when you're in that situation, you know, you really, um, you're aware of everyone that's around you because you're living with them. Um, and uh, he was in another house, but you know, the last couple of years you got to go to a thing called bar, um, which is where you were allowed to drink, I think two glasses of wine or something like that, or two beers. <laughs> um, and obviously everyone would get completely, uh, shit faced before, for one of a better word. Um, and, and go along and you know so that's when the first t- two years like top couple of years would socially interact and I met Faris there and I, I seem to remember our first conversation being about the rapture so I think music was the kind of bond that drew us together from the very get-go um, and he was an interesting looking guy then as well you know the whole sort yeah. of character developed um, over those few years but um, yeah I think we were just pretty much there weren't a lot of people at my school who were really into music and I think even less that were into that sort of what felt very new wave of post-punk and sort of garage punk bands that were coming out that you know new ones and then we kind of turned each other on to older garage rock as well um just older music and you know we our sort of friendship just developed from there um you know and then he came to live with me uh after he left he was in the year above so i think he had a year in halls or something and then uh, when we were both out of school he came to live in my flat when he was at st martin's and i was at uh, the london college of communication so we both had art school kind of not really taking it very seriously <laughs> but but you know going and we started the band as soon as I got out of school and yeah that was that because it sounded like you met the rest of the band in a way that sort of sounds a little bit old-fashioned now you met actually in record shops and stuff like that uh we I met Reese at a, at a, at a uh, pub called the Elephant's Head in Camden which is like a sort of notorious um you know, psychobilly psychedelic weirdo spot um and yeah, I met him, and <laughs> hilariously, I found out like a year after I met him, and we become friends. That he was with um, John Linger from Neil's Children, and uh, John told me years later that we, we Reese and I met, said hello to each other, and then Reese went to the other end of the pub, and said to John, "Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck does that guy think he is?" Because um, I was, who did, you, who did you think you were? What would he? What did he say? That I think because you know I I was definitely getting into um, sort of underground sixties psychedelic psychedelia, um, and had been for a few years. But you know I was kind of starting to wear the clothes and you know have my hair in a certain way, and that whole scene is very um, quite insular and quite elitist, it's all about what records you've got, things like that. And so that was it, that's what I got. I got the, the, you know, the, the sort of, you know, the welcoming ritual of being hazed. 
because um, I, you know, I was a new face on the scene and, you know, people didn't know me and, you know, everyone was very sort of suspicious of new kids on the block. You know, you in it, what, why are you here? Are you in it for the music or are you in it for the clothes or are you in it for the girls or... Not that there were a lot of <laughs> women my age at these things. I was like always the youngest person for quite a long time, but... Um, yeah, so I met Reese that way, and um, and then through Reese, kind of, um, he invited Faris and I down to South End to DJ at, at night. Reese did with a few other people down there called Junk, which was, I think, still the best club night ever. Um, um, you know, and I've I've been to a fair few <laughs> all over the world, and you know, it really had something special going on in South End at that time. There really was a, kind of an amazing scene happening there. Um, so yeah, and then through actually weirdly, Josh was already in London as well, but he was from South End, so he knew Reese, but he knew Faris from going to White Heat, which was another kind of London hip club at the time. Um, and yeah, jo- and then Joe just met when we were in South End, walking down the seafront, and he had his record box, and we had our record boxes, and you know he looked like he was going to the same thing that we were going to, so we just started talking to him and. Um, yeah, I've just been friends with with everyone since. I was going to say, you sort of came up around the time that bands were getting famous from MySpace and things like that, so it's quite a, an unusual story to hear you meeting people like that. Yeah, it was very organic and felt very fate-ish, you know, just that everyone just sort of fell into place with each other and Joe could play drums and Josh could play guitar, I could play bass, Ferris you know, f- wanted to be a singer. And I say that because he's just not, he, you know, he's not your regular singer. And he, he, it was not like he wasn't doing singing lessons or anything like that, but it was just like, cool, you'll be the singer. Um, and then I think Reese was like, oh, I can play theremin, which didn't, I don't think that, I don't think we even tried that option out, but he also had a microcorg, which had an organ preset. So it was like, mm. okay, cool, you're on the organ. Um, and Faris and I had already talked about wanting to start a band and kind of doing it in tradition of bands that we like like the gruesomes who are kind of 80s canadian garage site garage rock garage punk whatever you want to call it um sort of revivalist bands but like super authentic um and they wrote great songs and we just like that kind of goofy um garage uh goon (laughs) kind of aesthetic and, and you know and the cramps as well and so all these bands seemed to do covers, so I was like, well, we'll just cover some songs. Um, and then we started writing them, and, and things just happened for us in a very quick and organic way. Um, too quick for some people's liking, but, you know, uh, it just happened that way. You know? The Horrors have a real reputation for being like crate diggers, and I've actually, I remember watching a vi- video that you guys did with Amoeba Records, um, where you went and chose a few things, and all the all the band, every member of the band had chosen something that I'd never heard of, and you personally got me onto Madlib. Oh wow! Which is something yeah. that you know at the time I'd never heard anything like it, and it was yeah, it's pretty great. But I I imagine because you listen to so much varied music like that, you know, there must be points in your career where you can't really decide what you want your band to sound like. <laughs> Because <laughs> you were all really very taste. I was, I was very astute. <laughs> <laughs> Between your first album, Strange House, and Primary Colors, to me those those albums sound incredibly different. 
but I was wondering what do you remember what you were listening to that made you completely change direction with the band or was that like a conscious thing or did you just lose interest in the old sound or what was it I think there were a few factors at play there for for primary colors right is that yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a few things at play there. I think there was the, a kind of youthful belief that we were really good. And <laughs> that, you know, all these people that thought we were style over substance just didn't know. Um, and that we listened to a ton of music, not just 60s Garage and that was a huge influence on our first album. And But there were other things going on. There was definitely a big post-punk influence on the first record. But it wasn't, you know, the songwriting was very 60s garage style. Um, and I think when we came to the second album, Josh just said, oh, I'm going to do shoegaze guitars. And he'd always loved My Buddy Valentine. I never really listened to My Buddy Valentine, but he loved it. Um, so And his sounds were great that he was getting very like really inspiring so that kind of kicked that off and then I was listening to all kinds of stuff I I think I was quite getting into electronic music at that point getting into um, old 60s electronic music and then kind of working my way to you know like like Reese would put on Frankie Knuckles and um, Higher State of Consciousness and like sort of dance classics like old dance classics at parties so you know we'd be out at a 60s psychedelic club night and then we'd come back and he would play us you know the house and the techno and the acid house that he had acid house was a big one we listened to a lot of acid house together um so i was really getting into synths so i kind of switched over to synths quite happily and reese was kind of happier writing songs on bass um and I think that's he. You know, he's really good at that stuff. He's like a really melodic bass player. Um, so there were these organic changes happening, along with this kind of like want to prove ourselves. Um, and then I think that kind of thing where you don't really know the rules and you're just doing stuff. That kind of youthful abandon. Um, we didn't seem to have a lot of arguments at that point about what we wanted things to sound like because the sound was cool and it was interesting. So I think we were kind of all on the same page there, really. Um, But I think you're quite right about coming from so many places that it's quite hard to focus in on the thing that you want to do because I feel like that has become more apparent the more we've kind of grown and got into our various niches, the more you know, that kind of push and pull happens and the more we kind of have to talk about what we're going to be doing and, and kind of settle on an aesthetic. But it's challenging when you get to this point because, you know, it, it, you're, you're just in a situation where you are pulling and pushing in different directions with people sometimes and sort of finding that synergy where things are working together well. So that in some ways does become part of the challenge. you did a very short-lived side project called spider and the flies yeah yeah that was in between strange house and primary colors so i didn't hear it at that time i think the first album of yours that i heard was um primary colors and i went back and sort of looked at what else you'd done after that and i was sort of thinking that spider and the flies sounds like old synths to me but it doesn't sound like anything i'd heard 
Mm. And I was wondering why, you know, what was it about the two? That's you and Reese. So what did you, um, what was it about that sound that you guys wanted to do that you didn't feel fit in with the band sound? I think, well, again, there are sort of other forces at play there because one of the people that have been quite key in turning, especially me on, but I think the whole band in a way, um, to electronic music and, and, and kind of especially what well, I think now you would call it minimal wave, but I don't think that label even really existed at the time. Um, definitely wasn't, the, the, the term wasn't coined at that time. But um, anyway, the guy who was sort of giving us this stuff and, and showing us this stuff was a guy called Barry Seven, who was in a band called Add Into X, which is like a sort of synth three piece. Um, but they kind of make their totally own weird, cool, mental uh, electronic music, which really didn't have anything to do with house or, or techno and the kind of usual electronic music fields it was much I, re- I read one someone described it as sort of the velvet underground for synths um okay like a sort of like you know a- as confusing and different and out of its time as the velvet underground were you know in the 60s um adding to x was just this thing that existed for a few years and it was almost like too much for its own weight and i think the various members just couldn't take it anymore um, and they, you know, sort of ceased to exist. But Barry was someone who was around. He was in Shoreditch. He was in the Griffin, which was a pub we would be in a lot um, for everything, for interviews. And I, I lived really close and hung out. So we became really good friends. And he would give me records and and really encouraged me to to sort of get by, you know, to buy since he was like, that's the one you want to get, or don't buy that one. It's boring. Get this one. It's great. And um, kind of just really encouraged that journey for me uh, and Barry had this relationship with Mute Records and you know so we had this little label on Mute and the three of us because Barry was involved in this Barry and the Flies as well were what we kind of just got into a studio for a week and they were like oh, let's just see what happens and that's how that record came about but I think Reese and I were just like on this same sort of synth tip you know we were both buying a few buying synths and buying drum machines and kind of experimenting a bit and I think you know I kind of went in really deep with it and it really became my thing. I don't know I think I always felt the 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 want and the desire and the need to be exploratory in what I was doing musically and that one band wasn't always the, the thing to do that in. And I think especially at the time, the horrors was like drum, like live drums, bass, guitars, vocals. It wasn't really a space for sonic exploration at that moment. But I think it led on to, I think it fed back into what we did in Primary Colors and, and later on, like as all these things do, you can't not be influenced by that time you spend making music you know you learn a few Mm. things you figure out i like this i don't like this um and it kind of feeds back into whatever it is you're doing the horrors are into really esoteric and underground music as we've been talking about so it was kind of a surprise when i read that you were going to be working with paul epworth on your most recent album Mm. and i was wondering you know there's usually a bit of snobbiness among musicians who are into the less known stuff i'd have thought 
that the horrors would have seen that as sort of selling out to work with a producer who's worked with like Adele or something. And I was wondering what it was that made you think that was uh, what you wanted to do. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I th- so I think it was a bit like, it felt like a weird match at first when it was suggested. Um, I personally have a lot of time for modern popular music. I think there's really exciting things going on in hip hop. I think there's really exciting things going on in electronic music. Guitar based music, I, I don't think has made huge strides um, over the last 15 years, but I do think that there's such amazing things going on. You know, something like how popular Frank Ocean is, or, you know, the fact that Kendrick Lamar's, this, you know, his biggest album, the second track on it is this like sort of free jazz 200 BPM thing. And I just think, there's so much great stuff going on at the moment. There's no room for for snobbery in that way. I think the sort of landscape has changed, and you know, that the guitar bands are increasingly looking to non-guitar music for inspiration. Um, but in regards to working with Paul, you know, it, it, I think we, as you do with these things, you kind of you book a week or two. I think we booked two weeks with him, and you know, they just went really well they were just really good weeks and we were making so much more progress than we normally would be ideas were coming out really easily um the sessions didn't get easier after that but you know the energy with Paul was good and I think with with Paul you know yeah he did write Adele's biggest tunes and he's worked on some really massive pop records that stuff's not easy so you know he's achieved but he's also a real sonic experimenter. <laughs> That's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> a real he, Paul's a real sonic explorer. He's, you know, he, he's constantly he was constantly pushing me to make it weirder, make it madder, to perform with the synths and not be too clinical. Um, and he would get involved as well. And him and I really gelled in those situations. We were kind of quite. Like he's got a bunch of skills that I haven't got in regards to like other instruments and things. But I think in terms of, you know, especially with synthesizers um, and just kind of production fun stuff, I think we were sort of really working off each other and vibing off each other. And we would sort of tag in and out sometimes, you know, with us. <laughs> so, you know, I'd, I'd come in and I'd, I I'd kind of want to get straight to it. And then at some point, Paul would just need to tag out and just, you know, go and sit on the sofa for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever. Um, and, I, you know, I was quite happy to kind of pick up the baton, uh, and so were uh, um, the other guys. So there was great, I think, a good working relationship there where, we, you know, we sort of valued each other's skills and, you know, kind of were quite... Paul's amazing at sort of keeping the energy going and sort of making sure the momentum's up. If anything's lasting... You know, I think it's taking too long or ideas uh, aren't coming out quickly. He's just sort of sees that as a roadblock just to be just to get around and, you know, gets you around it. Um, you know, he'll just move on to something else. He'll think of something more fun to do. So I think that stuff was really good. And, you know, it just it, I think that was actually one of our strongest albums um, and really benefited from having sort of someone of, of his um, of his skills and talents to, to help us get it there. BBC Radio Bristol 
Hello, lovely listeners of the Who's Flying the Plane podcast. My name is Adam Crowther and I present on BBC Radio Bristol. The show I present is a programme called Upload. It's a place for anyone who is making, creating and doing stuff to send us what they're making and get it featured on the BBC. So you could be a podcaster, a musician, a poet, a comedian. Maybe you've got your own blog. Record it, upload it and make 2021 the year that you get featured on the BBC. All you need to do is head to our website, bbc.co.uk slash upload for more information. Upload with Adam Crowther. So the Horrors did it, uh, their most recent album was 2017. So since then you've been doing a show on MTS Radio. Could you tell me a bit about how that came about and what uh, listeners can expect from it? Sure. Um, so yeah, I've been doing that show on NTS for a few years now. Um, and it came about because uh, Trevor Jackson asked me to DJ at an event he was doing that was sort of connected with NTS. And yeah, he, I think the guys who were there who heard me play thought it was cool and they wanted me to do a show. And I think at the time I was just like, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to do a radio show. I'll have to talk and, and it'll be weird. Um, so sort of just anxiety got the better of me that time. And then there was a, a night that the horrors did for a long time. It was really Reese's night, but Joe and I would DJ um, at it called the Cave Club. And I was playing Fella Kuti, and this guy came up to me and said, can you play something for us to dance to, please? And I think Fella Kuti is like <laughs> the most ultimate party music. Yeah. Um, it's irresistibly funky and, uh, and, you know, just a great vibe. And I told him to fuck off. I think I quite distinctly remember telling him to fuck off. And it was a bit harsh, to be honest. You know, it just wasn't his thing. Um, but I sort of did a post about it on Facebook the next day. Just couldn't quite believe it. But Trevor said, that's why I DJ on the radio. It's because you don't have to please anyone. So I, I <laughs> kind of hit that. I hit NTS up and said, oh, you know, do you want to do a shot? And I've, and I've done it ever since. Um, and I think it's a, it's really just a place that I play whatever music I'm listening to at the moment. You know, I'm just quite, I'm the kind of person that just is, is into what I'm into right now. I'll be listening to what I'm into, or I'm listening to right now, and, 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 you know, then I'll find something else. Um, and kind of, you know, it's almost, I, I see it a little bit like kind of harvesting ideas a little bit. You're kind of just, having a look at what's out there and processing it and sort of, you know, trying to think what is interesting about it structurally or harmonically or melodically or the production ideas or any of that stuff. And I just find it quite good to just sit there and listen and process to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the NTS show is really just a sort of mood board of that. You know, it's kind of what's going on in my musical brain right now. So are the horrors working on a new album at the moment? Um, we have an EP that is <laughs> I'm about to say oven ready then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we have a we have an EP that is uh, yeah, it's due out, it's ready. Um, it's just things have been so weird this year, and um, you know, it just increasingly looked like. The future was the better time to have that out, but I believe that should be coming out early next year. 
Great. And is that something that's uh, been influenced by your, what you're playing on the NTS show? In some ways, it's as I mentioned earlier. You know, it, it's got to that point where we have to talk about what we're doing. So, I think with this album, you know, I, I guess yeah, we have been working towards an album. It's currently just an EP, but um, you know, there was a bit of a feeling that we just wanted to be heavy and dirty and kind of not play up to the pop side of what we do. Um, you know, because I, I think working with Paul, it was almost impossible to avoid that. Um, but, you know, it's cause it's got to that point where you just, you know, the stuff that feels really good is the stuff that I think maybe calls back to some of that earlier grit and grind mm. uh, that we had on Primary Colours. And it's, you know, also playing live. And I think there were moments of it on the last album. And we just, you know, when you're playing it live, it's just, oh, that feels really good. So... Yeah, I think it's really influenced by that. Um, and I think maybe a bit more by, especially Joe, I think Joe's being very proactive in writing and sort of like guiding. And he's been listening to a lot of industrial techno um, and just like heavy sounds. So I think that's it kind of points the the direction. So, Tom, uh, early next year, you've got an album coming out yourself. Um, what can we expect from that? Um, so, yeah, that is an album called Ecstatic Meditations that I made mostly during lockdown. Um, but some of the music already existed before. The label was trying to get me to put it out. I was having mixed feelings about it. But it just felt like with everything going on and with people at home, and I know especially for me, you know, having sort of a sense of calm and a sense of something beautiful was important you know in what I was listening to or, or watching or, or whatever I just wanted to feel a little bit more balanced so yeah I sort of went about completing this album and it's um I think inspired by Catelyn Aurelia Smith and by Alice Coltrane and I think you know in, in small other ways by people like Steve Reich and you know, a whole bunch of just, it's just all, a lot of the electronic ambient music that I like to listen to. I think ambient's a very loose term as well, but um, definitely had this feeling that I wanted to make something that was very beautiful and very spacious, not songs. Um, and so, yeah, I went around finishing uh, this album. hidden gem have you got anything that you might like to offer so i think so so for a hidden gem <laughs> i might think i mean i think this is a podcast that kind of goes it's got quite a broad subject matter so maybe everyone's not super into uh the deepest of musics um but uh you know catlin aurelia smith i think is someone who's doing amazing work and who's not sort of super well known by everyone but she's just um she's a kind of 
quite spiritual. Uh, she's got quite a spiritual sound, a lot of modular synths, a lot of vocoders and things that I like. And she's just doing something really beautiful with it that really speaks to me. Um, so I, I recommend everyone go and check her out. I think amazing music for the times as well. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me, Tom. Uh, could you let me know, let the listeners know where we can keep up to date with what you do, what the horrors do, and when we can listen to your radio show? Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, I guess Instagram is the only platform I'm really active on. Um, so worth a follow there. Um, um, yeah. And uh, NTS show is once a month. Um, just go on the NTS websites and you can have a look at the schedule and there's tons of great music on there um, and yeah I've got an album coming out uh, in January next year and there should be some horror stuff following on shortly mm-hmm.